I'm going to invite you to join me now in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13. Today I'm concluding our series, Arise and Build, with this message. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13. It reads as follows, Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest parts of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked over things, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, for your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Now we can jump to verse 20. It says, Wherever, Nehemiah said, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Today, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to preach on this thought, overcoming the opposition. Let us open our hearts and let us pray. Let us go before God right now and ask for him to continue to move in our service. Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for visiting us in a very special way thus far. We thank you, God, for your spirit. Surely angels are in this place, God. Surely your spirit is already here. We're asking, God, that you would speak a word, God, into our hearts. Anoint my lips of clay, God. Have your way, God. And I pray, Lord, that your name will be glorified. I pray you would confirm today's word, Lord with miracles, signs, and wonders. We ask this right now in the mighty, in the powerful name of Jesus. Someone say, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of God, amen. In this passage, we find Nehemiah and the people of God engaged in a monumental task, the monumental task of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, which I have been preaching about these last few weeks, uh, represent the restoration of their city, uh, their nationality, and their connection with God. Among the many challenges facing the builders was a multi-front conflict with three enemies, uh, three enemies of the most notorious kind. These were the most notorious power brokers in the region. Their names were Sambalit, Tobiah, and Geshem. They were a mafia of movers and shakers who opposed the reviving of the walls of Jerusalem. But I ask today why these men were so against Nehemiah. Why not just let the Jews, just leave them alone and let them have their wall? The reason is because these, these men foresaw how this project would unify the people of God. And they saw what could happen if they strengthened their identity as a people and perhaps rise up and challenge the system that they had in place, the system that kept the people of God oppressed, the system that they used to maintain their control, uh, their superiority, um, their rule over the land. And so the, the, this, these groups of men were uh, threatened by this wall. You just got to understand, it wasn't so much about a wall. It wasn't so much about the, uh, this construction project. It wasn't so much 
the, the, the stones and the mortar and the wooden gates, that's not what they were threatened by. What they were threatened by was a united people. What they were threatened by was a group of people that would remember who their God was. Amen. And remember what power they had. And they foresaw this. You see, the devil opposes anything that upsets the status quo. Because in hell's economy, hear me today, the status quo is good for business. In hell's economy, the status quo is good for business. And anything that upsets, anything that threatens to disrupt the status quo is, uh, is an affront to the kingdom of darkness. And he takes that as, as, uh, as a fight. He takes that uh, seriously. Conformity serves the enemy's agenda and it feeds his power. And so when you begin to resist and you start praying, and you start prophesying, and you start pursuing uh, the kingdom of God, and you start getting actively involved in the building of the kingdom of God, all of a sudden, hell, the enemy, and the forces of evil begin to take notice of that. And they begin to recognize that, that their establishment is now um, under threat. And this is what begins to happen when, when the church, when, when God's people, when you as a child of God begin to rise up in your spirit and begin to claim the authority. My God, I feel something on my spirit today. You begin, can I preach like I want to today? Amen. You begin to rise up and reclaim your rightful position as a child of God. When you begin to remember who your God is and you begin to remember that you're not just anybody you begin to remember that you are above and not beneath that you are the head and not the tail that you are bought with a precious price. when you begin to remember that you've got the name of God on you when you begin all of hell begins to take notice because the one thing that the devil does not want the people of God to do the one thing the devil doesn't want the child of God to do is to disrupt the status quo because as long as we keep things uh, business as usual the way they've always been then he can remain in control and continue to have his way in his life but I've come today to serve notice on the devil and let him know that we're not going to settle for church and business as usual we want revival hallelujah somebody give God some praise today Nehemiah, as you read the story, you realize that prior to him answering the call of God, he didn't really have any enemies to speak of. I think Nehemiah enjoyed for a period of his time and in his career uh, peace and, and prosperity and goodwill and favor with everybody. I think Nehemiah, not that he would have won a popularity vote, but I think that he was everybody's friend. He, he, he got along with everybody. I mean, he, he was a diplomat. He was somebody... Uh, who, who knew the system and who had uh, done things right, never compromised who he was, and, but, but, he, but he didn't have anybody who was plotting against him, you know, to bring him down. And, and, and he was just sort of uh, in his own world. But, but the moment that he began to answer that call, all of a sudden, uh, you know, people came out of the woodwork, you know. Let me tell you that you find out who your real friends are when God starts using you. 
When God starts raising you up, when God starts blessing you, all of a sudden, uh, haters start coming out of the woodwork that you didn't know hated you, you know. People start talking about you that you didn't know how to, I thought I was friends with that person, you know. I thought we were tight. I thought we respected. And all of a sudden, you begin to realize that as you start answering the call, as you start pursuing more of God, oh, hallelujah, things start to happen. There's a trembling. There's a rumbling. And the moment that Nehemiah answered the call of God and stepped into his divine purpose, weird and strange new enemies started revealing themselves. Let me tell you, your calling reveals your opposition. Your calling reveals your opposition. It'll reveal to you uh, those hidden uh, enemies. Uh, it'll, it, it'll reveal to you the opposition that comes uh, in different forms. Uh, and many times uh, the frustration that I see in believers today uh, is that they're fighting for their lives, uh, but often they're fighting the wrong enemy. They're fighting for their life. They're fighting for their families. They're, they're fighting with everything they have. They're fighting tooth and nail. They're fighting. They're fighting. They're engaged in battle, but they're exerting themselves. They're, they're wasting all their ammunition in, in, in the wrong direction. They're, they're, they're shooting the wrong people, so to speak, in their life. And many times we're, we're just sort of shooting anything that moves, you know, and anything that kind of appears to be off. But, but we've got to get to a place in our life church we've got to get to a place in our faith a place in our Christian walk in our Christian maturity where we get discern more discerning about the enemies that, that we are uh, fighting against so that we can fight what Paul told Timothy to fight the good fight of faith amen somebody say amen <laughs> Nehemiah faced three enemies that I've mentioned here Three enemies, and these three represent three forms of opposition that you will face when you answer the call to build. First up, we have an outsider named Sambalat. His name means secret enemy. And he was the ringleader of the opposition, the loudest and the proudest of the gang. And he often used um, trickery and deception to get his way. At one point, he tried to lure uh, Nehemiah away from his work by enticing him, lure him away to a private meeting. He said, why did you come over here and let's talk? And he kept, he, he kept uh, trying to, through uh, deception and through schemes and plotting, uh, get Nehemiah to get away from his calling and get away from his purpose. But, but it was all a setup, and Nehemiah knew that it was a trap. And so, therefore, he resisted him. I want to show you who Sambalit represents in our life today. Sambalit represents Satan. He represents the devil, whose sole objective is to steal, kill, and destroy everything that you are trying to build for God in your life. Somebody say amen today. And like Sambalit, Satan uses all sorts of innocent-sounding appeals to lure you away from your calling so that he might devour you. Because if he can get you out of your game, and if he can get you off of the wall, and if he can get you away from the thing that God has called you to do, then he can isolate you. And then if he can isolate you, he can eliminate you like a roaring lion. The Bible teaches us to be sober-minded and vigilant because the enemy, the the adversary roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How many of you know that's true about the enemy? I said, how many of you know that's true about the enemy? 
and he, and he uses every aspect that he can. But most of all, he uses his voice. He uses his mouth. Notice that, that, that when, when uh, the Bible describes him as a roaring lion, he, he's roaring. Th- he doesn't even talk about his bite. Huh? He doesn't even talk about his teeth. He talks about his roar. You know why? Because he never shuts up. My God, help me somebody here today. He never shuts up. He just keeps talking and yakking and saying this and that because his only weapon is to ridicule, to mock, to put down, to to, to spread lies, uh, and to get you thinking things uh, that go against this great book and what the Word of God says about us. His choice of weapon is to mock you and to inflict fear into the hearts of God's people. And this has been his tactic from the very beginning when he tempted Eve in the garden. He did it through his little his, his little slivery tongue uh, to distract her from the will of God. And all throughout the pages of scripture we see he taunts God's people. He ridicules God's people. Front and center is the story of Goliath and David. When Goliath stood out there for 40 days uh, and, he was, uh, and he was taunting Israel. He was ridiculing the people of God and defying the armies of Israel. And, and you know that he didn't swing one sword you know he didn't even fire a rocket or or you're not even a paper airplane I mean all the guy did was talk a big game he says send me a man you know like send me a man and he said come bring somebody and so I can feed them you know to the fowl of the air and he's just barking all of these things at the people of God and they're all shaking him their boots over there thinking oh my God what are we going to do and because here's this uh, this sound of ridicule this taunting this deception but thank God there was a shepherd boy who was spending some time in the in the pasture who knew knew that his God was greater than Goliath. And he told him, you come to me with a sword and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the host. I don't know about you today, but I'm getting real tired of listening to the enemy. I'm getting real tired of hearing his lies, his accusations, his ridicule. I'm ready to stand up and say what thus saith the Lord. And my God says that I am an overcomer. My God said that I'm more than a conqueror. Somebody ought to give God about 30 seconds of praise. Come on and clap your hands. Come on and open up your mouth. Come on and worship the Lord for a few moments. Someone shout hallelujah. You got to be sober-minded and vigilant. You got to be dressed for battle. You got to put on the whole armor of God. I feel a fire in my spirit today. So you can quench the fiery dart of the wicked one. You've got to be you got to be ready. You got to have the armor of God on. Paul writes these words. He says, "For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ you've got to understand that we are engaged in a spiritual battle we are engaged in a spiritual warfare and the weapons of our warfare are not physical but they are spiritual oh hallelujah and so we've got to put on the armor of 
of God. And we got to be ready to stand ground and defend what is right and what is true. Somebody say amen. Anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, if it contradicts what God has said about you, if it contradicts the knowledge that God has given you about you, about your standing with God, about your salvation, then you are to strike that lie down and say, Satan, get thee behind me. Would you just worship him for a moment? I feel the spirit of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. I need somebody's faith to rise up today. Next up, we have Tobiah. Whose name means Yahweh is good. What a name, huh? He was the sidekick of Sambalat, often appearing right next to Sambalat in protest of the walls. So typically, when you see Sambalat operating, his sidekick Tobiah was right there. It was like 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 Batman and Robin. You know, he was right there next to him. He was his sidekick. And everywhere he went, he kind of went with him. And they sort of worked together. But unlike Sambalat, Tobiah was an, uh, he was, he was not an outsider, but he was an insider. Sambalat was an outsider. But Tom, Tobiah was an insider. What I mean by that is that he came from a family of very powerful Jewish aristocrats. He was, he, he, he was a Jew. So essentially, he was one of them, but he wasn't. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he was part of uh, uh, the Jewish nationality, but he was not a Jew spiritually. Okay. He was part of the, the commonwealth of Israel because he had a name. He had roots in it. But as we see in the story, he wasn't at all interested in seeing the building of the wall. He kind of has one foot in and he's got one foot out. Don't mess with the way things are, pastor, because, you know, uh, if we get too spiritual, you know, then things are going to get kind of crazy, you know. I like balance. Hmm. I like to kind of keep things as they are, you know. Don't make me too uncomfortable. Don't make. And so for this reason, Tobiah represents the flesh. Tobiah represents the flesh. Why? Because he's in us. I got, I got bad news for you in a way. You're not going to get rid of Tobiah because as long as you're living in this body, you're going to have to contend with Tobiah. Because he represents the flesh. And sometimes it's not Satan, it's not evil or spooky or foul spirits uh, that are keeping us from our destiny in Christ. You know what it is? It's our flesh. Amen, somebody. It's that human sinful nature that we are born with. And we may want to blame the devil and say, the devil made me do it. But most often it's our own flesh that gets in the way of us fulfilling our potential in Christ. Amen, somebody. I said amen, somebody. It's that part of you that resists the spirit. It resists what the spirit wants. This is what Paul writes in Galatians 5.17. He says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you don't do the things that you wish. My God. How many have ever been there before, huh? 
Paul even said one time, he said, the thing that I want to do, I don't, and the thing I don't want to do, that I do. He said, who can deliver me from this body, right? And that's how, it, and that's the Apostle Paul, folks, that is saying that, right? I mean, he's definitely got the credentials, and, and he's definitely a man of God. And, and so that tells us that, that nobody here is exempt from dealing with this flesh. It's with us everywhere we go. And he says there's this constant battle going on between that what the spirit wants and what the flesh wants. And as long as we're in this body, we're going to have to contend. And Nehemiah realized that, that it, he, he struggled to get rid of Tobiah. He, this guy was pesky. I mean, he, he, he was persistent. He just kind of kept hanging around and kept just uh, being right there among the people. You know that even after the walls were built, brother, even after they, they had celebrated the building of the wall, this guy, Tobiah, was still kind of hanging around and still sort of like, you know, uh, sending messages to people on the other side of the wall. And uh, uh, he was still, you know what he was doing? He was using the fact that he was still, uh, uh, nationally speaking, uh, a Jew. And he still had family connections, you know. He was reminding everybody about, you know, who my family is. You know, he, he was showing everybody, you know, his card, I guess. Just like, hey, don't forget who I am. I, I'm one of you. And, and then on top of that, the Bible says that he was doing good deeds. Ha. This is how the flesh hides sometimes. Uh, it hides behind good deeds. Mm, Y'all ain't ready for this now. I'm going to get right into this one right here. It was hiding behind good deeds. It was saying, well, I do good this and I do good that, so leave me alone. Pastor can't preach to me like that. I can't get because I'm all, I, I do good. Well, good that you go, do good. You're supposed to do good. But just because you do good doesn't give you a license to do whatever else you want to do. <laughs> you can't write a big enough check to the church or to anybody to say, well, as long as I'm doing this, as long as that, I, don't have, I can't be told. Uh, excuse me, what side are you fighting on here? Amen, somebody. I said, amen, somebody, and this is why Nehemiah had a hard time dealing with them because, man, this, I, I, how do I get to this guy, you know? Everybody likes him. But he kept, see, this is what the people didn't know, is that while everybody likes him, oh, everybody's, you know, they're taking pictures, you know, they're posting pictures with Tobiah, you know, there they are Friday night having dinner with Tobiah, right? But what they don't know is that behind the scenes, Tobiah was sending threatening letters to Nehemiah. He, and, and the Tobiah spirit, that fleshly spirit, will play people like that. Uh-oh, I'm getting into something else now. Huh? You got to be careful. You got to make sure you're not hanging around with Tobias. Because they'll flip it on you. And it's because they're trying to get to you. They're trying to use you or influence you. Amen. And, and, and this is where... I believe that as a church, as a people, we got to understand, yes, we've got Sambalit. We have the devil that we need to fight. But then there's also this flesh of ours. And we got to keep this flesh in check. Somebody say amen today. People think that carnality is just about sexual and physical sins uh, or carnality is just, you know, drinking and, and partying and that sort of thing. But you read your Bible because in Galatians chapter 5, uh, uh, the, the, the Apostle Paul lists a whole bunch of other things that involve carnality that have nothing to do with just drinking, partying, and, and sexual uh, mischievousness and all that. According to Galatians 5, the works of the flesh include Include things like hatred. 
Amen, somebody. It includes things like jealousy and an angry outburst and selfish ambition and divisions and envy. Basically, it's any desire or attitude that contradicts the spirit of God. So you may not go out partying and drinking. You may not be, uh, you know, living a perverse life in that way. But you can be just as carnal if you don't let God move in your life the way that he wants to. Well, anyhow, you can be just as carnal if you don't, if, if, you, if you react with anger, if you have a selfish ambition, if your pride is getting in the way. That is also carnality, and it can keep you from your destiny in Christ. But today, we're going to make sure that we overcome this flesh of ours so that we can get more that God has for us. Somebody say amen to and Tobiah, you know, sometimes it's hard to detect this guy. It's hard. To, I'm going to just be a couple more minutes. It's hard to detect him because, you know, he's hiding in plain sight. But eventually he'll start to talk because he can't help it. Tobiah gives us a clue that it's the flesh talking and not the spirit. If you want to know whether you're de- who you're dealing with, if you're dealing with, the, with, with Sam Bollett, who represents the devil, or if you're dealing with the flesh, here's a clue. Watch what Tobiah, Tobiah said in here in uh, Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 3. This is one of the only times that, that we see him talking on his own. Uh, every time else he talks, it's in concert with his other gang members. But here he speaks for himself and he said this about the work of God. Whatever they build, huh. he said, whatever they build, even, uh, even uh, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. This is how you know that it's the flesh talking and not the spirit. Because the flesh will say something like, well, even if they do it, it's not going to (laughs) last. Even if they do it, 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 it's not going to. The flesh is unbelieving. It doubts what God can do. It doubts what's actually possible. You know what it does? Instead of focusing on the wall, instead of focusing on revival, it is all consumed. It's all fixated on little foxes. You ever met somebody like that? They're missing the big picture. You you missed the big picture because you got all hung up on a little fox. Oh, because they didn't sing the song that you like. You're not going to worship. Uh, come on, y'all getting quiet on me, huh? Because they didn't do that. You're going to focus on that, well, because that light was flickering the whole time. I just couldn't get into the service. Come on, now, what what, what are we doing here? Well, because that one person looked at me kind of sideways, and what's her problem? And you're just going to let that little fox rob you of the blessings of God, rob you of greater revival, rob you of what God knows. I've decided that this flesh has got to come under subjection. I'm not going to let this flesh stop the move of God. Is there anybody that's with me here today? Drop your hands and let's give God a hand praise today. Hallelujah. You can overcome the flesh. Somebody say amen. You can overcome the flesh. How do I overcome the flesh? Oh, you got to do what Paul did. He said, I die daily. Pick up your cross and be crucified with Christ. That's the only way to do it. Every day you got to make a conscious decision. Flesh, you're not the boss. 
flesh, carnal mind, you're not going to be. And you, you do what the scripture teaches, as Paul said, set your affections or set your mind on things above and not on things beneath. Put your mind in heavenly places. Woo, my Lord. I am believing. Get ready, brother. I am believing that this coming month we're going to see the fruit. We're going to see the revival of the prayers and the fasting that we've been doing all the month of January. Ch- we did not as a church pray and fast all month of January just so that we can say ha- have the same kind of services that we always have. The devil is a liar. I believe that in this next month, I need somebody to agree with me here today, that we're going to get the devil out of the way, we're going to get the flesh out of the way, and we're going to let God do what he wants to in our midst. Is there somebody that believes what I'm preaching here today? So we can't let our flesh talk us out of our miracles. We can't let our flesh talk us out of healing. We're going to have a healing month this coming uh, February. Next Sunday, we're going to have a healing service. And this week, the devil or your flesh is going to tell you, can God really do it? Uh, what if you take them? What if you invite them and they don't get healed? Isn't that going to be awkward? It's not going to be hard. Are you sure you want to stick your foot in your mouth like that? Are you sure you want to go? And, and, and Tobiah, Tobiah is trying to say, you know, why don't you just have church as usual? It's just, you know, don't put yourself on the spot like that. Just keep things the way they are. And we can keep having church and we can keep doing what we do, sing the songs that we know. But I feel something in my spirit today. I feel faith rising up. And I believe that miracles, signs, and wonders are upon us even now. Would you stand with me today? There's only one more enemy. And that is this man named Geshem. If I had had a lot more time, I would preach to you today about Geshem. But this Geshem character, the third one. (laughs) He worked in concert with the others. His name means material substance. And he tried to entice Nehemiah to get off the wall and come with me, he said, in Nehemiah 6.2. He said, come meet us over here in this valley, in the plain of Ono. He said, come on over here and meet me in this valley. Now, if you study the background of this valley, this valley was also known as the valley of craftsmen, the valley of work, the valley of prosperity. And this is why Geshem represents the world. This is the third enemy that, my God, that distracts many Christians from their callings in Christ. It may not be the devil's, all himself it may not be the flesh on its own but sometimes it's the love of the world and all that is promising you it says give more of yourself to this it tries to lure you away in so many different ways by promising you the world on a string 
by saying over here, you can have power, money, sexual pleasure. You can have everything that you want. You can have the life that you want. You can live how you want. Oh, Geshem is trying to tell somebody here today, don't waste your time on the things of God. Just live a life of sin because sin is fun and it's great out there in the world. The things that you can achieve, the things that you can do. But I'm here to tell you that this world has got nothing to offer you and the only thing that it can offer you is pain and strife and grief and suffering that's all this world has to offer and I've seen too many in this hour if it's not the devil, if it's not to buy, if it's not the flesh, it's the pursuit of whatever this world is dangling in front of you like a carrot saying, come over here. And it's trying to, to take you out of your ministry. It's trying to take you out. But today, I feel the Holy Ghost. Today, I have come to say that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world.